Well, good morning. Good morning to everyone in all of our churches and all of our campuses in Canada and the United States and really, for that matter, all over the world as people are tuning in. So, so grateful that each of you took a little bit of time this morning to open up God's Word. And I got to tell you, I, I love this week's topic. I mean, I feel like when pigs fly is just the strangest topic that you could come up with, but I hope that you're following along with us uh, in as we're talking about really the the amazing miracles of God, and and we're in week two right now. But I trust that even last week, as you heard my mom preach, that uh, you're really feeling that sense of of faith, that that stirring of faith that's happening on the inside of each and every one of you. You know, uh, if there's one thing that we can say, if there's one thing that we can talk about this month, it is the the miraculous power of God to do a miracle for you in whatever situation that you find yourself in right now. And, and so, you know, so maybe, you know, you're, you're like me and that you've, you've ever found yourself in a moment where maybe you've prayed a prayer and the prayer has sounded something like, you know, like, save me, God, right? Like, you made the prayer, like, God, if you save me today, you know, this situation, I promise you, I will serve you for the rest of my life, right? Like, maybe it's a test that you forgot about, and you're like, God, if you would help me pass this test, I promise you, I'll wake up every morning and read my Bible. Or if maybe you got pulled over by a cop, and as you're sitting there, you're thinking, like, dear Jesus, please let them give me a warning. And if they do, I promise I'm going to give all of my money in next week's offering, you know, or, you know, or maybe it's, you know, you find yourself, you know, hugging the porcelain throne one night, you know, obviously years ago, and, you know, you're throwing up your worthy offering to the porcelain God. And you're like, God, please, if you help me make it through the night, I swear to you, I'll turn my life around. And, I'm sure that all of us have, at some point or another, prayed some kind of a prayer like that, and maybe we totally believed it, or at least partially hoped that God would, in some way, answer him. And that's because, for all of us, as we talk about God, we know that God does have this miraculous power. His, his nature, his, uh, the, the reality of who he is is that he possesses this amazing power to, to save, to deliver, that our God is a God who miraculously and often protects us in harm. In fact, in Psalms chapter 37, verse 39, the scripture says this, the Lord rescues the godly, right? He, he rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. And, you know, I, I find myself in a very unique position in preaching this message. You know, I, I talked a little bit earlier this year about Danielle's health battle. And, you know, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has continually prayed for her. You know, obviously, that's why we're in Buffalo right now as we kind of finalize walking through this season. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, we had a crazy year of dealing with a whole ton, whack ton of crazy things that have gone on. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm standing here and so thankful to be able to say that she's healthy, she's strong, right? And, and, and thank God that that is the case. And, you know, she is, she's okay. And God saved her and delivered her. And, 
But then I know there's some of you that are out there maybe right now. And, you know, I feel that this message talking about the, the miracle of protection is so fitting right now as we've gone through this, you know, pandemic season where so many of us have been challenged. And maybe some of you, you know, I celebrate the, the miraculous salvation of my wife. And maybe there's some of you that you lost a loved one. Maybe there's some of you that this isn't your story. And... Today, I, I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about the, the tension that is often created in our lives. You know, we, it's, it's this tension that's created as we know that God is a God who, who can save. We know that God is a God who can protect, and we've seen it in some situations in our lives. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the tension that's created when we know God can but sometimes some things don't go the way that we think that they should go. Now, this can often be a difficult subject. And, you know, as you're sitting in church right now, you know, say a prayer for me that we get all the way through this. But I'm hoping that what this message is going to do is it's going to provide some answers for you, that it's going to provide some clarity maybe for some of you. It's, and honestly, my hope is that for, for some of you who maybe are struggling with this topic is that it would provide an element of comfort and, and build faith in a God who miraculously does miracles in each and every one of our lives. So let's pray as we get into the message today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word that Though we can go through challenging seasons in our lives and oftentimes face things that are very unknown in nature, that we praise you that we have one thing that we can stand firm on, and that is your word. And how amazingly and eloquently the scriptures detail and lay out for us your faithful nature and how we can relate to that. I ask, Father, this morning that you would help us as we go into your scripture Help us to, yes, learn, yes, grow. But Father, help us to, for those of us that are hurting, help us to find the comfort that we so desperately need from you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in my attempt, and, and, and please hear me, by no means is this an exhaustive list of you know, how we're going to talk about and, and navigate through this tension and often challenging topic but I, I want to submit maybe two thoughts today as we practically look into the scripture. And what I wanted to spend my time focusing on is, you know, there's a lot of theology out there and there's a lot of, you know, people smarter and wiser than me who have surmised all the different reasons. But for the sake of this message today, I want to spend a little bit of time as we look at what is God's response, not what do people say about him, not what do people surmise or theorize about his nature. Let's just take a look in scripture and see what does God do. And instead of trying to build our faith around a theory or a concept, let's this morning build faith in who God is. Let's build faith in what God does. And so the first thought that I want to submit this morning is this. And if you're taking notes, I would suggest that you write this down. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. 
I'm going to say that again in case you write slower than I talk. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. So let's take a look at this in Scripture so that you can see what I mean. Long before God ever floods the earth, how many of you know God sends Noah the blueprints in order to build a boat, right? Long before Jonah is ever thrown overboard, long before there's ever the crazy storm that happens and they pitch him over. How many of you know God planned to send a fish to swallow him up and take him safely to shore? How many of you know, if we look at the lives of the Israelites, we see that long before they were, you know, surrounded by the, you know, the Israelite army, the mountain and the Red Sea, that God had already planned that he was going to part the Red Sea. Why? Because long before, long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. So what does this mean for us today? It means that long before, you know, maybe you just found out that you, you know, you got some bad news regarding your health. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe that girl that you definitely thought she was the one, she broke your heart. Let me tell you what this means for us today is long before we face the negative situation, God already has a plan. Come on, maybe we could say that in church this morning, no matter what's happening in my life, God's got a plan. God's got a plan for you. No matter what you're facing, no matter how challenging, no matter how impossible, no matter how difficult, God has a plan. So now, if God has a plan, what do we know about God? Well, one of the things that we know about God is that God is a God who has the miraculous power to save, right? I mean, you don't have to look through scripture for too long to see some miraculous thing that God does, right? Maybe it's that he commissions angels, right? Maybe it's that, you know, Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and God miraculously shuts the mouths of a lion. Maybe it's when Jesus is crossing over the sea and there's a raging storm and Jesus just stands up and says, peace, peace. Be still. Listen, whatever the problem, long before you ever face that problem, God has always and will forever in the future have a plan of what he's going to do. And I want to submit to you that this is the miracle of protection. So let's take a second and talk about, we're going to hop into Acts chapter 16 and we're going to talk about this kind of this moment that Paul and Silas are living as they're, you know, they're, they're on their way to preach the gospel. They've been commissioned by God to go into all the world and, and to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And they, they run into, at least in this account in Acts chapter 16, they run into this young girl. She's actually a, like a slave girl. And She's a slave because she has this pretty amazing ability to predict, to predict the future. And the, you know, the, her masters, if you will, they are kind of soliciting her and they're making good money off of her because she's basically like a fortune teller and telling people about the future. But the problem is, is that um, she's really annoying Paul and Silas. 
And I commend them for their patience because it says multiple times that this girl goes up to them and she kind of just like is bickering at them and, you know, just bothering him. And eventually, you know, Paul, who, you know, I often like to think that I am like or that I would aspire to, you know, keeps his cool. But, you know, sometimes enough is just enough. And so what does Paul do? We see this, this, this discourse where Paul and Silas end up, you know, casting the demon out of the girl. And because the demon is gone, she could no longer, you know, predict the future. And how many of you know the, 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 the people who own her, they're bothered by this. She was, you know, if, for all intents and purposes, she was their salary. She was their 401k. And all of a sudden, in a moment, that's gone. And... So what do the owners do? I mean, they do kind of the bummer of a thing, but they, they falsely accuse Paul and Silas. And from this accusation, a riot starts. And the riot starts, and Paul and Silas are the victims of this riot. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. It says, the crowd, the crowd joined in, in, joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So they're falsely accused. They're, they're, they're doing the will of God. They're out there preaching the message of Jesus Christ to everyone who will listen to them. They do a good deed in that this woman was tormented by a demon. They're wrongfully accused and now they are, they're condemned, they're stripped, and they're beaten with rods. And, and verse 23 says this, it says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So this is two guys who are really setting out to do a good thing, and through a series of unfortunate, wrongful accusations, they find themselves stripped and beaten and thrown in prison. And, and in this, I want to take a second and really put our focus on the Apostle Paul. You know, because, you know, he's stripped, he's beaten with these wooden rods like, you know, clubs. And, you know, God is a God who can miraculously protect us and... When we read this, oftentimes it can beg the question, well, if God can, where is he? You know, and to make this worse is that Paul is actually a Roman citizen, which if you understood the, the Roman culture at that time, that Paul was actually politically exempt from this type of punishment. So the people and the jailers and the guards and all the people were breaking the law in order to beat Paul, who was only being beaten because he was lied about and wrongfully accused. So, I mean, if God was ever going to intervene, this would have been the moment. And, you know, oftentimes this can be where we find ourselves. You know, maybe and hopefully... You know, throughout the last week, your clothes weren't stripped off of you and you weren't beaten with rods. But oftentimes we find ourselves going through challenges, going through difficult situations, and we are stripped of hope. We 
we were, we're stripped. The, the trust that we had in God feels as though situations have just beaten those things out of us, that our, that our faith has just been, has been stripped from us, and we want to believe, but we can't understand. And, you know, maybe you weren't beaten with rods, but oftentimes as we go throughout this world, we could be beaten down by words that doubts and discouragements can so often beat the very life, the very hope, the very joie de vivre that we have. And we find ourselves just so beaten down in the midst of life and oftentimes wondering, God, if you can, where are you? So like I said, I want to focus our attention on the Apostle Paul. Because it's important to understand that, you know, I mean, we know this, but for the sake of a new person, you should know that Paul was basically, I mean, next to Jesus, Paul was, I mean, the most straight and narrow, straight edge, following after God, no matter what kind of person. I mean, Paul was only here in this situation inciting this riot because he was doing what God asked him to do. It wasn't like he was the Jonah story, right? Where God asked him to go in one direction and he's running in another direction. And so, you know, I could explain that away. But in this scenario, Paul is to, to almost perfectly following after what God is asking him to do, right? Remember, God was the one who knocked Paul off the horse. God was the one who commissioned him to go out and preach the gospel. And yet in this passage, we meet him and he's being tortured. And here's the thing. If like people today, we lack in understanding or we lack a trust in God. We lack an understanding of his nature. Oftentimes, this can lead to an intense disappointment with God. Right? Like, oftentimes, you know, God did a lot of things, but, I mean, there's no arguing that something that God didn't do in this passage of Scripture is that God didn't provide a miracle of protection. Right? I mean, there was another similar story like this in Jesus' life when Jesus did something, an angry mob riot raised up against him, and basically Jesus turned invisible and just walks through the crowd. How many of you know God could have done that? He could have sent a 10-foot angel, you know, to just like take a giant bat and just like knock everybody over and Paul and Silas just walk over. God could have do those things. And so but he doesn't. And I think it's important to focus our attention on them. What did Paul do? Right? Because, I mean, Paul knows the same God that we know, has the same gospel that we know. I mean, he could have been let down. He, you know, God didn't protect him. He was beaten. He was thrown in jail. And I mean, really, if you think about it, He's doing the will of God and he all this stuff happens to him. And I mean, I would like to advocate for the Apostle Paul and say, listen, Jesus, this honestly doesn't feel fair. So let me tell you then, what does Paul do? Paul does what so many people in today's culture do. And what is that? He quits. He's like, that's it, God, I'm done. I'm never praying again. 
You know, I know I promised you that if you did this, I'd go to church every day for the rest of my life, but I'm done. I'm done with Light City, right? I will never worship you. I don't care how good the music is, and I'm going to show you God. Because God could have protected him, but he didn't. You know, I apologize if this is getting a little bit too real, or maybe you're sitting in your chair right now, nervously butting your nails, wondering how are we going to make it through, and And this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. But let me tell you, Paul didn't do those things. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it tells us what Paul does. And after being wrongfully accused, after following God, and it seems like in the natural, God doesn't follow through on his promise. We see a different resolve in the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says this, At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Come on, I don't know about you, but that challenges me in the difficult things that I've gone through. Even this past year, I tell you, There was a lot of things I did in my moments of despair, but oftentimes it wasn't singing and praying all night long. And this is what it says, that they were singing. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And then in verse 26, it says this, suddenly. Come on, I don't know about you, but I just love that they put that word in there, suddenly. Because I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever gone through a challenge, but oftentimes it's like, it seems like, man, everything has just gone wrong. And all of a sudden, suddenly God turns the table on our problem. And it says this, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. It says all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose, right? This is a miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle is when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. And we see in this moment, God is intervening in a miraculous way. But here's the deal. It's important that we understand this. Paul didn't wait to worship till after the miracle. What do we see? We see Paul praying, singing hymns, and then the miracle comes. Can I tell you, Paul doesn't wait to see his miracle to praise God. Paul praises before the miracle. I believe this is what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about when he tells us that we are to offer up a sacrifice of praise that sometimes it's gonna feel really good. Like sometimes it's gonna be the total long shot, the impossible situation, and it's gonna happen exactly the way that you wanted it. I mean, in those situations, it's easy to praise, but the writer to the Hebrews tells us there's a different kind of praise. And that's a praise that requires every ounce of life, every ounce of sacrifice to instead of choosing negativity, 
to choose to give God a sacrifice of praise. Because it's one thing to praise God when we see his power, right? It's another thing to praise him when we don't. It's one thing to, to worship him when everything turns out exactly the way we wanted it to turn out. But how many of you know it's another thing to praise him after you've been wrongfully accused, stripped of your clothes, beaten, thrown in jail? How many of you know that's a different kind of praise? But I've realized something. When do we worship God? When do we offer up praise? We do it, yes, when we feel like it. But can I tell you something? As believers, we also do it when we don't feel like it. And this is a very important distinction because, let me tell you, church, we don't worship God because of what he can do. We don't worship God because of what he does versus what he doesn't do. No, we worship him because of who he is. And here's the thing, too often people quit when they don't, when things don't go the way they think they're supposed to go. And this is what Charles Spurgeon said, actually. He said, too, you, you, too many conclude that it is not intended that you should understand the infinite. For you are told that his thoughts and his ways are far above yours. But you are required to seek him while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about when he says, I want to know you, yes, in the times that it's easy to celebrate, in the power of your resurrection. But the Apostle Paul says this, I want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. Why? Because I'm not praising you because everything in my life is going good. I'm not praising you because you so perfectly answered all my quests. No, I'm praising you in the good and the bad because I'm praising you for who you are. Right? I'm suffering, but I know that you're good. I'm challenged, but I know that you're faithful. And this is when we pray, Jesus, help me to see what you see. Because how many of you know that Paul and Silas saw something different? Right? Because they're in prison. And prison after being beat and prison for who knows how long. And in prison knowing that at any moment, technically, the end of their life could come. And it says at midnight, which means, you know, they're not like popping a couple of melatonins in order to help them fall asleep. But they're up at midnight and they're praising God and God shows up and there's an, a crazy earthquake that happens and all the jail cells bust open. And because of this, I mean, it's pretty obvious. The scripture goes on to say that the jailer wakes up and he sees that all the doors have been busted open and, you know, people are gone. And it's crazy that he doesn't care about all the other prisoners. He only really cares about Paul and Silas because he sees that all the doors are open and he's like, I'm going to get killed or at least fired. And so it, the scripture says that he pulls out his sword. And he's getting ready to take his own life. And, and Paul shouts out to him, right? Don't kill yourself. We're still here. So they're following God and they're wrongfully accused and they're stripped, they're beaten, 
and they're thrown in prison. And we see this interaction with the jailer. And it says at the moment that he sees Paul and Silas, he falls down to his knees and says to them, what do I need to do to be saved? And here's the beauty of this discourse of what happens is not only does the jailer believe, but it says that he then goes and tells the account to his whole family and his whole family believes. And I mean, then maybe from there, who knows what happens from that point. And, and watch this, is that, is that not only was Paul saved, because sure, Paul went through a challenging time in the midst of this, but Paul was saved. I mean, they didn't take his life. He was fine. He goes on to do more amazing things. But listen, not only was Paul saved, but the jailer and his entire family goes on to be saved. And so what do we see? We see that before Paul goes to prison, what? God's already got a plan. Now, here's the thing. There's the obvious way. There's the obvious way that we can see that before Paul goes to prison, God already has a plan. That's why I can I encourage you. Sometimes it's important to be cautious to the prayers that you pray, right? When you pray, God, I want to be used by you to save as many souls as possible. How I many you know God was thinking that jailer and his family is a soul and this Paul is the answer to your prayer. And so we see there's the obvious way, right? That, that God miraculously protects Paul's life and that, you know, Paul is freed and he goes on to continue his, his ministry to the rest of the world. And, but I've realized something that God often protects us in so many ways that we don't understand, right? Like I had this epiphany years ago and, you know, I, I definitely still deal with road rage. So if you're praying for me, you can pray for that. Actually pray for Danielle because she hates the road rage more than I hate it. I actually quite enjoy sh shouting at people in a closed window as they also have a closed window driving by me. But, but I've realized something that, you know, sometimes we can get so angry about you know, you know, let's say we're late for a meeting and we're speeding down the road and, you know, the train, we try to fast and furious it to jump past the train, but we realize that's probably an irresponsible thing to do. And we get stuck behind this long train, which is making us even later for the meeting. And, and I've realized something is that maybe that train was God's miraculous protection on something that would have happened if we would have got across the train tracks. You know, maybe it was seeing God in that job that you so desperately wanted and, you know, you were perfectly qualified for it. Maybe it was even your dream job, but you don't realize that six months later, the company closes and everybody gets laid off. Maybe it's that you wanted to get so desperately accepted to that school, but by getting accepted to that school, it would actually put you on a path that's, that's not actually what you want long term. And so God is protecting you by not getting you into that school. Right? And here's the thing is that maybe someone in here right now needs to praise God, not for all the prayers that God did answer, but for all the prayers that we prayed that God doesn't answer. Because here's the truth, that God is protecting us. And I'm so thankful that in some prayers, instead of giving me what I wanted, God gives me what I needed. Right, like, let me tell you, some ladies out there, you need to praise God that he didn't let you marry that one guy that you begged to marry. That was the perfect one. You need to offer him a sacrifice of praise. 
And here's the thing is that as we get to know the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And let me tell you, this comes from walking with him. This comes from being with him. It comes from walking through difficult seasons with him. That as we get to know him, as we become, become convinced of his goodness and his faithfulness in situations. And we know that God can send, you know, an angel of deliverance. We know that God can do amazing things, but he doesn't. Is that when we face these situations, we trust in the nature of God, we trust in the faithfulness of God, we realize long before we had this problem, God has a plan. And this leads us to our second point that I want to make this morning, and is this. Sometimes God's eternal purpose doesn't align with our temporary plans. Let me say this again so it sinks in a little. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. And, you know, as I said, the more that you walk with God and the more that you watch as you follow after God and are obedient to him and you watch as his plan unfolds in our lives, this can often sink in in a very real way. But, you know, think about this, is that, you know, God delivered Paul from prison for a long time until he didn't, right? And, and it's, you know, not only this time that Paul was arrested, but theologians, you know, they, they estimate that Paul spends between five and a half and six years of his life in prison. And, you know, after his, you know, fifth missionary journey, Paul, find, Paul finds himself in prison again. This time he's being tried by Emperor Nero. And, you know, he, it, this is the end of his life. And, you know, he's not crucified because the Romans didn't crucify other Romans. So he didn't die in the same way that Jesus did. But, you know, he is beheaded. And, you know, he, he finds the end of his fate just like the 10 other surviving disciples, you know, minus John, because... John was like literally unkillable. You know, they talked about that he was like potentially burned in hot oil. And so finally they just like sent him off to the Isle of Patmos. And, and, and that was because he had work to do still. It was on the Isle of Patmos that he wrote the book of Revelation, which is the great hope for us New Testament believers that even though the world is so crazy that Jesus, our conquering savior, comes back to rescue us all. But here's the thing, and I don't know any other way to say it, is that before we have a problem, God has a plan. And sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. And this is because, you know, what the prophet Isaiah tells us in, in, in his writings to us is that his plans, his ways are beyond our natural limited ability to see and to understand, right? We live in the finite. We live in the moments. And, you know, maybe you're the most amazing business person. And you've got a five or a 10-year business plan. And, and here's the truth. God sees eternity. And sometimes his eternal purpose and plan for our life that is good and is evident of his faithfulness doesn't align with our temporary plans. And let me tell you this is when you realize this, 
This is when you truly learn how to trust. This is when you realize that he is still good, even though you're in the middle of the storm, right? Like, let me preach to you. Maybe the baby that you were praying for doesn't make it, right? Maybe a drunk driver kills your teenager. Maybe a loved one that you were praying for dies of cancer. Do you hurt? Yes, absolutely. Do you grieve? Yes, grieve. Please grieve deeply. Are you going to feel devastated? Absolutely. But do you continue to trust in the loving, unchangeable nature of God? Yes. Yes, all the time. Yes, you do. In every situation you go through, never lose your trust. Why? Because we know his nature. We know that yeah, sometimes we don't understand why things happen. And let me tell you, I've had so many seasons of whys. But what has carried me through every season is that as I sit back, I realize, God, I can trust you. I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're trustworthy. And I know that before I had this problem, you already had a plan. And here's the thing, it's not just trust. It's worship. It's, it's why we read about King David as he worships God, even in the most challenging of times. Because let me tell you, church, we, we don't worship him because of what he does. We trust him. We praise him. We worship him. We follow him because of who he is. And oftentimes, as we walk through this life, that means that we don't need to understand in order to trust. And so what do we do? Right? Like, if, if God can miraculously protect us, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to pray for protection all the time. Right? I mean, even when Jesus teaches us to pray, the disciples, they approach him and they're like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So much of Jesus's instruction to them is teaching them how to pray for protection. He says, what? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus is saying, pray that God would protect you, right? Pray for your spouse and pray for your marriage and pray for your pastors and pray for your friends and pray for your kids and pray for angels to encamp around you and keep you safe in everything you do. Pray for protection against the temptation of the enemy. Pray for protection against lies and deception that would come from life. Pray that you would protect, your kids would be protected from their wrong friends. And, you know, pray that your children won't stray away from the truth. And let me tell you something, if you don't know what to pray, pray that they'll get caught early. Right, let me tell you, I am convinced that there were millions of people praying that I would get caught early because anytime I ever tried to do anything bad, here's the truth, either there were a million people praying for me or I would literally be the worst criminal slash bad person because listen, I was horrible at being bad. It was like even the thought of doing something wrong, it was like I was getting caught. Right, no matter what I did, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm hearing some moms pray right now, right? Catch him, God, right? You're like, sick him, Jesus. We're gonna send those holy, you know, dogs after him and get him back here and bring him back. And, 
And here's the deal, I can't count the number of times as I look back at all the ridiculous things that I've done in my life that I know God has protected me. But let me tell you this, so much of what is good in me So much of what has changed and been challenged in, so much of what has been healed in me is the result of things that God didn't protect me from. I mean, I know so many of you have had this shared experience that, you know, you, the greater the encounter or the deeper the revelation comes out of a season of great challenge. It comes out of a season of deep pain. And I've realized this, that I would rather hurt in his will than live in comfort outside of it. I'd rather learn how to trust God and stay faithful to him in the challenging times than to live even a moment separated from him. And this is a miraculous thing that we see in prison, right? That Paul, what does Paul say when he's spending his time in prison, right? Paul never sends, he never says, you know, it's not fair, God. Like, woe is me, Jesus. He never says, God, you know, because of all of these negative situations, I've come to the logical conclusion that I can no longer trust in you. And there's no possible way that you could be real because of this, this, and this. No, what does Paul say in prison? He says, the book of Philemon the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians. And in those books, we read things like, we rejoice in our sufferings, right? We read things that like, even when we are poured out, we are glad and we rejoice. We read that we delight in our hardships, in our persecutions. We, we, we glory in our weakness because we know it's in our weakness that your strength in us is made perfect. We read things like what can separate us from the love of God. There's not death or life or angels or demons or fear or worry. That there's nothing above or below that can separate us from your faithful, generous love towards us. This is what Paul says is that he realizes that God is working all things, all things, the good and the bad, the times that it seems like God shows up and the times that it seems like God doesn't. It says that God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his promises. So what does this mean? It means that God is working in the breakups, he's working in the breakdowns, he's working in the wins, and he's working in the losses. He's working in the times that you get what you wanted, and he's working in the times that you get what you never wanted. And this is why we praise him. This is why we can praise him before the miracle, because it doesn't matter what's happening around me, I realize. God is always faithful. God is always good. And here's the thing. I hope that you understand this. Is that God never promises us that he will always protect us in the way that we expect to be protected. In fact, if you read in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that, you know, there is an appointed time for each and every one of us where our physical, natural body is going to die. But let me tell you what he does promise us. 
He promises us that he'll never leave us. He promises us that he'll never forsake us. He promises us that he will always be faithful to his word. He promises that he'll love us in the good times and the bad times. He promises us that every situation that we go through, not only has he already made a way of escape, but he promises us that he's busy turning those things around for our good. So if you're one of those who does walk away from tragedy, please praise him. But hear me, church, this morning. If you're one who loses someone, you lose something in tragedy, please praise him all the same. Because we don't praise him. We don't worship him. We don't serve him because of what he does. We worship him because of who he is. Why? Because long before you face this problem, God already had a plan. I want to pray for us this morning as we, listen, I realize this. I've gone through a year of my own challenges and struggles, and I pray that you understand this was not a message of platitudes or happy tidings, but this is the truth of the word of God. It is our position, it is our stance as believers that I can believe that even though I face a problem, God is always faithful. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're in the middle of a situation. Maybe a loved one has died. Maybe you got a really negative health report. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're in the process of potentially losing your house. Maybe your kids are on drugs. Listen, doesn't matter what you're going through. God is always, always faithful. And I want to pray for us this morning. Yes, for our situations that God would miraculously uh, uh, protect us in everything that we go through, that he would save us, he would deliver us. But I want to pray for us this morning that God would give us, like the word says, eyes to see and ears to hear. I want to see the way that he sees. I don't want to only see what I want to see. I don't want to only worship him when everything is going my way. No, I want to see what he sees. So if that's you with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, and you're going through a troublesome time and you're really struggling, you're like, God, I need, I need to see. I'm going to ask you on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. You put your hand up and put it down real quick. I believe that there's something happens on the inside of us when we respond externally. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every person under the sound of my voice who's responding to this call, who's saying, yes, I'm in the middle of tragedy and I need God to save me. God, we're asking, yes, Father, for your miraculous protection around our spouses, around our jobs, around our homes, around our futures, around our children. We pray, God, for your miraculous protection over our mind, over our hearts, over the truth that's on the inside of us. But God, more than anything, we want eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart of faith that can believe that even in the most difficult of situations, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, I'm asking for that this morning, that you would fill our hearts with the faith to believe that this situation, 
doesn't change anything that before we had a problem, you already had a plan. Maybe you're finding yourself on this dream this morning and maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you're far from him. Maybe you've gone through a tragedy and from it, you fell away from him and you're like, this is everything I need. I need this Jesus in my life. The Bible tells us that if we would simply confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world sent from heaven to die for our sins so that we could be made right unto God, we would be saved and we would enter relationship with him. So I'm gonna pray this quick prayer and I'm gonna ask that everyone in all of our churches just repeat this prayer as we dedicate or rededicate or re-solidify our relationship to him. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God sent from heaven to die for my sins. I receive you as my savior and my Lord. Fill me, cleanse me, heal me, restore the hope in me again. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.